Hi everyone, you're listening to Candidly Laura, a podcast for adventure seekers and personal development junkies. Laura is a digital nomad who always tells it like she sees it. She loves talking about travel, entrepreneurship, dogs, and more. What are you up to today, Laura? Good, good day. January 3rd, y'all. I hope you had a great holiday, whatever holidays you um, participate in, believe in, celebrate in. Um, And I also hope you are excited about 2023. So I started looking at, um, you know, some of the themes that I want to make sure I talk about this year. Obviously going to keep talking about um, nomading and traveling and um, safer beauty, skincare, etc. But I do want to try to put into my um, into my podcast a bit more, and you might have already noticed, is to talk more about money and specifically several different angles that we can look at money. Um, I don't know about you, but grocery prices are the place where <laughs> where I feel like I I see it the most. Okay, stop. Um, Willow now and again will just come and lick the bejesus out of your whatever skin is available. So she was just licking my hand. And now they're going to play. So you may hear some dog sounds in the background. Okay. So looking at this next year, it doesn't feel like what's happening in the market as far as food prices, gas prices, medicine prices, and availability supply chain. It doesn't seem like any of those things are going to change anytime soon, which is unfortunate. But it does mean that um, one of my goals is going to be to help you start to think about a couple of things a little bit differently, specifically with shopping. And so today, we're going to talk about shrinkflation. And I actually, I was going to look up and see if there's um, a word for that. Is there an opposite of shrinkflation? I don't think there is. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, so here, I'm just going to give you what the definition is, and then I'm going to tell you um, about something that I learned from my dear friend Mal- Max. Max. Mm, good. What's his name? Oh, my goodness. Goodwell? Good. Okay, now I have to look up that author, too. Um, outliers. Max. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so back to shrinkflation. So here's a definition. In economics, shrinkflation, also known as the grocery shrink ray, deflation, or package downsizing, is the process of items shrinking in size or quantity, or even sometimes reformulating or reducing quality while their prices remain the same or increase. The word is a portmanteau of the words shrink and inflation. So I saw another article about this and then I just Googled it. And of course, more writers are talking about it because some people are noticing that the like size of, let's say their toilet paper, it's still like six rolls in the pack that they normally buy for the same price. But now instead of 400 sheets, each of the rolls or whatever, I don't know the exact numbers, but each of the roll has 360 sheets, right? So it's, in my opinion, a kind of sneaky way to um, to give the consumer less without them knowing because you don't 
at least I don't, I don't catalog how many sheets of toilet paper on my toilet paper. Um, and so looking at where in the world um, you buy things that you are making the best of your shopping experience. And so I put together um, a list and did some research. So I just wanted to give you 10 ways that you can to do to start to combat shrinkflation and decrease your grocery bill. So I'm specifically looking at from the angle of groceries, but I think that this can be similar to many of the things can carry over into any other consumer goods. Um, okay, so I did specifically actually ask um, ChatGPT, <laughs> who I've been spending a lot of time with, um, if shrinkflation is a marketing scheme. And they're like, no, it's not really a marketing scheme because they're not doing it just for sales. They're also doing it for their materials and labor and cost benefit, but they're also doing it in some ways to protect the consumer so that the consumer isn't always paying for uh, more, depending on what's happening with their labor and production, that the goal is that the effect on the consumer isn't as daunting, right? So we've certainly seen some prices of things that you're like, oh my gosh, how could that possibly have happened? And it may be more widespread that they have reduced you know, the size of things from 10 ounces to nine ounces without really telling us so that we're paying the same amount and we don't actually know that that company's also been hit. Okay, so here are 10 ways you can start to think about combating shrinkflation. Um, number one, I think is obvious, but like shop around and compare prices. But even more than looking for deals and discounts, and I know this will be uncomfy for some of you, but some of you will be like, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for years. And some of you have never tried it is to know which stores price match and price matching can be huge. Even sometimes price matching for the same store for their own prices online versus in store can often help you. And it's really easy. Like all you have to do is show them like this is $3.99 for this exact same product at Aldi. And then they give it to you for $3.99 instead of $4.59 or whatever it is. Um, okay, why this matters is that each store, they'll often have overlap of things that are on sale, but then they're also negotiating with different chains to have different things on sale. So for instance... Sometimes it's like a two and a three dollar difference, and that's a big deal. So I actually am obsessed with Sprite right now. I have been for like the last six months. I don't know why I could I cannot get enough Sprite. So at one store, Sprite for a 12 pack of cans was and it was I think it was on sale for like $6.79. Okay, fine. At another store. It was on sale, but it was buy two, get one free, and it was $9.99. So even if I ended up with getting three, it was still more. Um, hang on, I'll do the math. So $9.99 times two is $19.98, and then divide by three is $6.66. Okay, so it's actually just about the same. But I also don't want three cases of Sprite. 
So anyway, I did price match and they did give me the one for the, um, I don't remember what it was. I think it was close to that price. So price matching could be very helpful, both in not having to get the two out of three or three instead of two. Um, but it also can, you know, every cent really does make a difference. And I know that that's silly to say, but especially in the long term, like it makes a big difference. All right. Number two is buy in bulk. Um, this can be easier um, if you're not a nomad. <laughs> um and can certainly be easier if you have memberships to some of those places where um, the bulk section of things is really helpful. And now, certainly in this day and age, we all have enough friends to have the Costco or the BJ's or the Sam's Club memberships. So even taking a once a year trip to really get the things that are going to last you for a year. Um, my sister was just talking about, you know, this giant, I think it was 25 pounds of rice that lasts their family a year. And it just like makes a world of difference to just always have the giant thing of um, rice. But as per everything, you want to make sure that it is actually a better deal for you. Right. Okay. Number three, use coupons and loyalty programs. Um, a bunch of these stores have online coupons. So you just have to like click a button and then scan the thing. So looking at and target too, like don't discount, um, Target and Walmart for places that may have the better price or the better place to um, to price match. Um, looking at buying generic and store brands, I think there's still um, a bit of a misnomer that like generics aren't as good, but they're worth trying out. I actually just saw yesterday this food tiktoker that was like if you haven't tried the walmart brand of potato chips you are missing out because they are often a dollar for the bag and they are just as good as the fancy pants names so if you're in a walmart or near walmart give those potato chips a try and let me know but looking at which of the generic or store brands so something that was interesting those some of you know this I worked at Whole Foods um, and my neighborhood grocery store. Those were like two of my beginning jobs. And I was at, I was with Whole Foods for about five years and the Whole Foods 365 brand is their own brand. And most of the 365 brand of things are other companies that they have either um, made an agreement, like they have gone into business together to create the cheaper line. So for instance, um, at least when I was working there, this may be different now if they've changed vendors, but the 365 pasta sauce and tomatoes were all Muir Glen. And that's like pretty well known higher end brand. And it was like 50 cents, 75 cents, a dollar different to have those different labels on it, even though the tomatoes were from the same tomato people. So buying generic or store brands does not necessarily mean that it's not as high of a quality. All right. As per always, we talked about a little bit before. Number five, look for sales and discounts. This is using the loyalty programs and the coupons is kind of all together with the sales and discounts. Um, hang on. Let me silent my mother. Okay. Don't tell her that if she's listening. Sorry, mom. Um, okay. <laughs> so one thing I want to say about looking at sales and discounts is that the just like we want to look at the price per 
item and price match, you also want to look at the price for um, unit or ounce. Okay. So some of the sales, let's say we take my instance of Sprite. When I was looking at the different, because, um, you know, there's like seven different sizes of Sprite and the price per ounce were very varied and depending on the size, it's the same product. It's just in different, you know, plastic or aluminum containers. And so some of them there were like $3.19 an ounce or $2.79 an ounce or $3.30 an ounce. And then there was one that was a different size. It was a six pack of the one, I think it's one liter, 12 ounce bottles. That per ounce was $2.11. And I was like, well, I'm obviously going to go with the one that's $2.11. So it's not just looking at price, but it's also looking at per unit per ounce. And it's, um, if you don't know, on almost all of the sales tags, there's a little number in the upper left-hand corner that'll say the price per, and then it changes per item that you're looking at. So that's why sometimes it's ounce, sometimes it's unit, sometimes, I think they still do gram too. So you may need your calculator. You may need to do a little bit of math to be really clear about how much or whatever it is that you're buying. But once you've sort of written that down, it's good too just to be able to go back and look at it. Um, okay, so um, six and seven are funny. They kind of like go against each other in sort of a way, but not exactly. So six is buy fresh produce that's in season. This is something that every food blogger, every person who gardens or home eats, home eats. <laughs> Um, is is to follow the waves of the produce in season because that's the produce that's going to be the cheapest, right? So if it's squash time of year, that butternut squash is going to be way less expensive than if it's not squash time of year. So looking at your meals um, based off of what's happening seasonally, especially with fruit, I find um, organic fruit in its sort of off season is terrible. And then Number seven is buy frozen or canned produce. And I think this is kind of goes against number six because that's like buy fresh in season. But frozen, like I'm just think of broccoli right off the top of my head, is like dramatically cheaper than the than the fresh broccoli, especially if you're trying to lean as much organic as you possibly can. And if you're going to just chop that up and throw it in a lasagna, which if you haven't tried the broccoli lasagna recipe from real simple you should do that um then there's no reason to really get the fresh um because from my standpoint the only reason to have fresh broccoli is if you're gonna like roast it with some veggies so um thinking about where frozen or canned can come in i really prefer frozen over canned but i i know i may be on the outside okay you may hate me for number eight but i'm gonna say it anyway Plan your meals in advance. <laughs> okay. And I think even I like to have variety. So I'm I'm not in love with planning your meals in advance. Here's what I am in love with. I'm in love with using the ingredients that you have in your cupboard. So I try as a single person, I try to make sure that I'm making at least two or three meals a week, that at least one or two of them, a couple servings can be frozen so that I don't have to eat the entire pan of lasagna before it goes bad. 
And so at least one or two of those is incorporating a few of the ingredients I already have in the house. And that's just a good thing from a waste standpoint, which is our next one. Um, And that will make it so that you're using what you have. You're not spending as much at the grocery store. And you're also thinking and only buying what it is you actually need. That's what's the benefit of meal planning is that you're not buying as much ad hoc, um, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Number nine, avoiding food waste. And this plays into plan your meals is the best, one of the best ways to save money and to fight shrinkflation is to just buy only what you're going to eat and to make a really concerted effort to use and um, reuse the ingredients that you get, right? So if you're having a hard time meal planning, maybe you get a protein, maybe you get some chickpeas, some black beans, and you roast a pan of um, vegetables. And let's say you're not sure you're going to finish those vegetables before the end of the week, like you don't make enough burritos or you don't have enough stir fry, um, put it in the freezer. Or if you have some produce that's about to go bad, roast it and put it in the freezer so that the next time you're not quite sure what you want to eat, you can take out those vegetables, um, toss them in a little sesame oil or teriyaki or something, add some rice and maybe take some leftover rotisserie chicken and voila. So um, use the freezer if you're cooking in a way where you can. And I think, as I just said, finding ways to make sure that you're cooking in a way that can be frozen is really helpful. Okay. And then last and certainly not least, and I think this works, of course, better for people in certain spots, is to really consider growing your own produce so that you have ways to um, to do a little bit of canning or to do some roasting or dehydrating, right? And I think when people start to imagine growing their own produce, like they imagine those rooms where it's all canned and um, and it's like a production and people spend days making jelly and it doesn't have to be like that. <laughs> okay. Just starting small with like one tomato plant, one cucumber plant, and a couple lettuces, maybe a carrot if you're feeling feeling dangerous because carrots are finicky. Um, and if you start gardening, I was actually just talking to another friend about this. She was um, working through some cucumbers for pickling. Um, this is a common theme. If you ever talk to anybody who makes their own, their own, starts their own garden is that you never need more than one cucumber plant. Okay. Never like no one needs two cucumber plants and for the love you don't need three. So one cucumber plant, and even if it doesn't go well and it dies, it's okay. Next year, try still only one. Don't try two. <laughs> then you end up like all those people that have too many cucumbers and you don't know what to do with them. Oh, zucchini are pretty easy too. So maybe it should just I should just recommend, okay, your first garden season, even if you're doing a bucket garden, a zucchini, tomato, and like two different lettuces, right? Like a butter and a arugula or something um okay so i know that that's a lot of things 
Um, and the it doesn't quite necessarily help you look at the shrinkflation, but if you start to look, I guess it does. It doesn't, it doesn't, right? Because the idea of helping shrinkflation is that you um, are working to save money to have more groceries, right? But at the same time, it's just kind of like good consumer habits is to start to know like what does the thing that I normally buy cost right now? Like how much per ounce is it? So that as prices change, you know, like, oh, I I don't want to keep supporting this company isn't moving in a direction that I like. I'm going to switch over to this brand because they're staying at a better price per ounce. Um, so I guess I should do an 11. So 11 is <laughs> starting to catalog and and get clear about how much things are costing so that you can start looking at um, which brands you want to support. Because I think that's part of the shrinkflation thing. Um, okay. Maxwell, what is his name? Good. Good. Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. How did I think Maxwell? Okay, sorry, this is going back forever. But this is um, something that I started thinking about in his book, Outliers. He talks about, it might have been Comet or one of those other powdered detergents, um, started to notice that their sales were sort of um, plateaued. And it was a new product, but everybody was loving it. Everybody's buying it. It was works so good for their scrubbing their sinks and they were trying to figure out ways to make more money. And so they actually decided to open up the top of the cans holes so that when you shook it, more products came out and their sales skyrocketed. And I think they opened the holes at the top by like, I don't know, 10 or 20%. Like it wasn't it was not dramatic enough that as far as I know, anybody noticed, but they were going through more product, which meant they were buying more, which meant their sales went up. Um, and that's, it's not exactly what's happening with shrinkflation, but it sort of just feels all combined, right? When we look at different um, companies, like their goal is to make more money, right? And our goal is to save as much money so that we can go on vacations or <laughs> we can have enough money to retire to not have to work until we're 90. So like we're just always going to be in constant conflict with these companies that just want to make money from us and use more of their product. And that's what shrinkflation reminds me of. Malcolm Gladwell. I'm so sorry. I could not remember your name and I've read most of your books. <laughs> All right. Um, I hope this was helpful. If it wasn't, don't tell me. Um, and I will talk to you next week. Bye y'all.